0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 71 of I Wish You Were Dead a podcast about things that used to be alive. My name is Mike, that is Fia, and that is Gavin. Gavin, how's the sun feel right now?
1: It's, uh, it hurts, Mike. <laughs> it, the, the, the sun hurts sometimes. Um, <laughs> I went to the beach, and uh, I had a pretty bad tan line from wearing a baseball cap, and when you're bald, <laughs> you need to be a lot more careful. Bald
2: problems.
1: Bald problems. And so, you know, right? Yeah, yeah, I get it. I'm sure fear relates. Um, (laughs) But so I was I did the right thing. And I was doing some yard work last week. And I put on a baseball cap. And uh, sometimes I forget it. And I have to beg people for sunscreen. But this time I had a I had a hat. However, I did not think about uh the fact that baseball caps have a little hole in the back of them that's like an oval shape uh for you to like adjust the strap, right? So I got a sunburn, or at least a tan. It didn't like hurt or anything like a sunburn, but uh there was a visible tan line for this oval on the back of my head. Very funny, right? Yeah, no it's funny. Uh it's I'm enjoying just hearing about it. And so we went to the beach yesterday and I put some sunscreen on the very top of my head to keep that from, from absolutely frying. But uh, I didn't put any sunscreen pretty much anywhere else. And the back of like the top of your back that's covered by a normal shirt but not by a tank top, and my shoulders are very sunburnt and very hurt. Uh so
2: can confirm uh so I saw a picture, they are very sunburnt.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, they, have, yeah, they no- have both seen it. Those pictures looked uh, pretty gnarly. Whereas, Fia, I'm assuming you have, like, figured out how to properly, you know, protect yourself from the sun down in Louisiana.
2: Well, you would think that. <laughs>
0: but no. I, that, that was a thought I had until I asked that question.
2: <laughs> uh, I actually was last weekend out, and I just uh, really only care about putting sunscreen on my face. I think that is, like, well, if at the very least, like, that's what I do. And so, like, I okay. put some sunscreen on my face, and then I wiped my fa- my hand like on my thigh, and then yeah. later that day, I found that I had uh, sunscreen fingerprints where my leg was tan, <laughs> but the sunscreen oh, worked. That's,
1: that's so <laughs> funny. Yeah. So I've 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 had that before too with uh with my tattoos where I'll put sunscreen just on the tattoos, yeah. and so the skin like immediately around the tattoos Ooh. will be very white, and the rest of me will be sunburned. Uh,
2: <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah. I um there was one time I went on vacation to Puerto Rico and the first day there I fell asleep on the beach with my hand over my chest oh, no. and I had not put oh, on sunscreen no. and so for the rest of the time I was there I was just entirely burnt on the front of my body except for this very nice arm and hand mark that's so fun which was which is a great look and uh, I was not shirtless for most of the rest of that trip uh, because of that
2: you should have embraced it
0: You know, I should have, and I think at this point, now in my old age, I probably would have embraced it. But at that time, (laughs) yeah, yeah, no, at that time, I was, yeah, at the time, I was a uh, a senior in college and uh, not quite wise enough. (laughs) Speaking of being wise enough, you're all all about to get wiser here on episode 71 of I Wish You Were Dead, a podcast about things that used to be alive. Because I've been told this is going to be a weird episode, so we're all going to learn together today. We're all going to grow and just be better people today. I have no idea what this episode's about, but Gavin has assured me this is a wild one.
1: Yeah, so. I've mentioned before that I, that, that plants scare me. I don't like them because they are so fundamentally different than animals, which is what I'm used to. And a lot of things that they do just don't make sense to someone who's used to working with animals. And so today, since Fia has joined the podcast, we've done our first invertebrate episode and now that is further encouraged me to step a little more out of my comfort zone. So we're going to be talking about plants as a whole to sort of set up future episodes about various groups of plants. Um, we're going to be talking about plants, what makes them weird and special. What, what is a plant? Because that is surprisingly very complicated. Yeah. Um, and, uh, also just in an insultingly brief look at their evolutionary history. Um, So yeah, that's going to be this episode, but before we get into that, we have a couple of things. First of all, uh, some announcements, basically just the typical, hey, follow us on social media thing. So we have a Twitter account that you should follow, at deadpodcast underscore. You can find that down below in the show notes, as well as several other links to leave us a uh, voice review, as well as check out our YouTube channel. Um, All those kinds of things really help out the podcast and just generally make us feel good about ourselves. So uh, if you... Would like to make us feel good about ourselves. You can check out some of those links down below. Yeah, Gavin, I have a question about plants. We'll probably well, actually, realistically, we probably won't get there.
0: So what's up? It's, it's actually less about plants. It's it's okay. actually about. I was gonna say it's about humans, but really it's about me.
2: Okay.
0: <laughs> and I think I I think I've asked you this question before, but Gavin, why the hell can't I photosynthesize? We'll we'll talk about that. All right. As long uh, as I get a damn good answer. We'll get like, there. Otherwise. This seems just like complete garbage that I can't photosynthesize, and I'm a little bit upset about it. We'll get there. Um, but right. first, for if us you today, say so. Mike,
1: do you have a Today in History?
0: Sure. A uh, real brief one today. Uh, April 27th in history, in 1828, the Zoological Gardens um, in London opened up, and oh, they are cool. still open today. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, I know very little about them, um, but there is apparently a Gorilla Kingdom... Um, uh, Blackburn Pavilion, there's tigers and lions, <laughs> there's Penguin Beach, uh, according to this. So, yeah, um, it is still open to this day. It opened yeah. up 100, I guess, as of tomorrow, I believe it'll be 194 years ago. Yeah, so, yeah. it's basically the, just
1: uh, a, a big old
0: zoo. It's basically the London Zoo, yeah. as most people, it is, might according think to of, Wikipedia, like, the, the New York Zoo. Yeah, the world's oldest scientific zoo is what the opening line of the Wikipedia says. Oh, I didn't so, know that. That's pretty neat. So London, good on you. I have no idea if I'm ever going to be in, uh, you know, in your city or even in your country, but uh, or even on your continent, <laughs> but good on you. Good on you for, uh, for keeping a zoo open for uh, a while. Going on 200 years. I was going to say, like, I mean, are we going to have to have a birthday party when they get to 200? We realistically, as as much as I would like to do that, we're not going to remember. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to need some dedicated fans when they're going through our back catalog to remind us in about six years or yes. f- five six years, years in like 11 months. <laughs> oh, <laughs> All right, so that awesome. was today in history. So, uh, Gavin, are we getting started with the, uh, the episode now? We sure are. So let's do it. As per usual, when we talk about a group of, I was going
1: to say animals, but that's not true today, um, a group of organisms, I get Mike's opinion. About what they are, but since Fi is also here, I'd like her opinion yes. too. So, so we'll start. Yes. We'll start with Mike for the the person. No. <laughs> what? So yeah, Mike. Oh. what
0: is a plant? Oh man. All right. So a plant. I. And I will so. say, I will say, there are very few wrong answers here. <laughs> Um, I feel like a key component of a plant is being able to make your own food. And I hesitate to say photosynthesize because I feel like there's enough, I think of like underwater plants, which probably don't do photosynthesis, but probably do some sort of like making your own food. Okay. Um, I'm imagining they have some sort of, uh, they, um, they do the opposite of, uh, respiration. Um, and I, I don't remember what the name of that would be, but they turn, you know, carbon dioxide into oxygen. I'm imagining that's a pretty key component. That's part of it. Um, unless that is just, please. I was going to say, as I was saying <laughs> that, I was like, that's photosynthesis. Isn't it? <laughs> it, yeah. You I did sure good.
1: It's... You did good.
0: Yeah. I was, I got to the second thing there. Um, yep. um, uh, something to do with like water or a water-based substance, um, you know, running through sort of like we would have blood, um. Uh, as veins i don't know yeah like you uh like you mentioned before it's this seems rather difficult to define you know it's uh we've mentioned the supreme court's definition of porn before i know (laughs) when i see it but
1: i uh in this case that actually i don't think applies because there are a lot of things that look like plants that might not be and a lot of things that you probably wouldn't call a plant that technically is
0: okay so So i guess i'm gonna stick with a rare
1: case of where that doesn't apply
0: I'm going to stick with just the, they are able to make their own food. I'm assuming that is mostly through photosynthesis, although I am allowing for some other process that um, can make that happen. I think that's a core component of being a plant. And beyond okay. that, I think I'm out. Fia, take it away.
2: Okay. So the first thing I think of is I want to say that they have to be eukaryotic. Uh, what does okay. that even mean? What does we'll, that, does that even we'll a word? There. We'll get there.
1: <laughs> but right. but okay
2: it's it's part of like your cells something mm-hmm. about the cells um that
0: confuses me even more but keep going
2: uh i think that's really all i got uh okay. yeah i guess i want to go with mike's uh m- being able to make their own energy um i don't necessarily i feel like there are exceptions to photosynthesis um, being the primary way that they make their own energy, but I want to say just make your own energy. Okay.
1: All right. So that is just to sort of, for for me to help frame the rest of the, this conversation here. Um, because depending on who you ask, what is a plant and what is near planty, but not quite planty, uh, really depends on who you ask. So we'll break down some of those definitions for any of our, um, less scientifically inclined listeners this is going to get a bit technical so i do apologize um we're going to get into uh some pretty significant scientific terminology in a little bit so science content warning um (laughs) but so like most things in terms of grouping different Groups of organisms, one of the first people to actually do it was Aristotle, way back in the 300s BC. So, according to him, he basically classified things into animal, vegetable, mineral. Very typical, old school way to split things up. So, basically, if it moved around and ate stuff, it was an animal. If it was clearly alive but didn't move around and eat stuff, it was a plant. And if it was not alive, it was mineral. So, according to many old school classical philosophers, a plant was basically something that was alive that didn't move around and eat stuff. So that would also include things like fungus, uh, a lot of bacteria, which they didn't really know about at the time, um, but like things like algae, seaweed. Um, okay, so
2: algae is not a plant. We'll get there. Okay, <laughs>
1: that's very that's a that's complicated. <laughs> um, what? I'm confused too, Mike. Um,
2: I'm confused too.
1: And I, like I said, this entire episode I'm going to be like just slightly uncomfortable and not just from the sunburn. (laughs) Because, like I said, plants scare me. And I don't like them. But they're really important to talk about.
0: Are you uncomfortable because you think this is Um, an episode where there's a high probability you're going to get something wrong.
1: Oh, I for sure am going to get stuff wrong and leave stuff out, especially this episode. But because it's so complicated and it's such a big, important group of life, um, Mm -hmm. we got to talk about it. All right. So what most people kind of know as plants and a reason that many people sort of lump in fungus with plants is because of uh a a man you might have heard of him uh called carolus linnaeus yeah uh oh. way back in <laughs> i hope that's sarcasm Fia. um
2: <laughs>
1: in uh 1751 so this is before he published his full description of you know how to name things so for anyone who's not aware potentially Fia. um <laughs> Carolus Linnaeus is the father of modern taxonomy. He basically introduced the kingdom phylum, class, order, family, genus, species system that we still hesitantly use today. Um, But that volume where he introduced that naming system and and fully fleshed it out was uh, put out, I think sometime in the 1770s. But in 1751, he uh, introduced the kingdom... Vegetabilia. vegetables that more or less followed Aristotle's thinking where it's like, it's not an animal, but it's alive. So again, also including things like algae, fungus, along with things that are actual plants. It's so that for is me
2: to yeah. wrap my head around the fact that like you would call a tree, a vegetable. Like
1: the whole tree. Yeah. And I'm not sure. I'm, I'm sure that that is some weird, like Latin translation. That's strange.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, because I don't actually know where the word plant comes from.
2: Hmm.
1: Like whether that's Greek or Latin. Um, but, um, you know, as, as most scientific names tend to be Greek or Latin, um, And here's going to be where we start getting to some of the really technical stuff. So, like I said, what is a plant depends on who you ask. So there is a concept in naming things that I did not include in our episode about taxonomy and cladistics, the Tree of Life episode. So, there are basically... Say you have a family. Say the, the, the family that humans are in, which is Hominidae. That... Also, can have a thing tacked on at the end that sort of dictates how broadly and loosely, or how you know narrowly and strictly you uh, sort of interpret that group to be. So in Latin, these are sensu stricto, which means in the strictest sense; sensu lato, which is in the broader sense; sensu, er, sensu strictissimo, which is like the very very strictest sense, or occasionally I, i've never seen it before looking into this episode but it makes sense uh sometimes you can put it as sensu person's name you are just saying we're using this person's definition that they used previously
2: oh like for just plants or in general you've never seen
1: that i think in general i've I've never seen it before but it makes sense i've heard i don't think i've ever seen it notated quite that way but i've definitely like it makes sense
2: yeah I probably I, I, should
1: have written things that way in my thesis. <laughs> now that I'm thinking about it, yeah, but, I,
2: that's what I have to do uh, for a few terms that I use.
1: Yeah, so basically, the no, if you have the same group, for example, hominidae, hominidae sensu stricto includes fewer things because it is the stricter sense than hominidae sensu lato because that is the more broad definition. So, the definition of what exactly is a plant depends on how you use these suffixes, basically. We'll talk about which ones seem to be used more commonly, and which ones tend to be not as well-supported, but um, this is a part of taxonomy that kind of gets into the weeds, that I... Wanted to sort of introduce as hey, taxonomy is because we are talking about you know Linnaeus, taxonomy is way more complicated than just kingdom, phylum, class, order, family, genus, species, (laughs) uh, as we've talked about at length. But there's even more to it than we've talked about before. So, plants sensu strictissimo in the very strictest sense would be what you would typically call a plant, a thing that you would see. And that you would definitely say that is a plant. So basically this includes non-vascular plants, which are things like your mosses and their similar things. uh, Groups of plants called liverworts and hornworts, very similar to mosses. As well as your vascular plants, which is basically every other kind of plant you're thinking of. Ferns, trees, flowers, grass, etc. In the strictest sense, it only includes those. Things that you would call a plant. that That is the Supreme Court definition of porn of plants. <laughs> All right. And Mike is having some technical, technical difficulties, so he may or may not be with us for the rest of this episode.
2: Uh,
1: technology. Sorry. Anyway. So yeah, in the strictest sense, that is plants. The things that you would see and call a plant. In plantae, which is the kingdom that we typically ascribe to plants, not the... Whatever the vegetable kingdom, that's not really what we call it anymore. It is the kingdom plantae.
2: Okay, real quick, I want to uh yeah. go back to that vegetable thing because yeah I was pondering a little bit, and I guess I can kind of get on board with it because of the word vegetation,
1: <laughs> <laughs> right? And I'm sure that just comes from the same root,
2: right? Right. But I was just I was just thinking, and I was like trying no, to wrap my head around it. Yeah. No, that's a good but, thought. Carry on
1: so getting more loose with our terminology for plants we have the kingdom plantae sensu stricto so not strictissimo just sensu stricto this includes those things you would call plants so mosses ferns uh trees grass flowers etc plus green algae and their descendants which uh there is a group of planty things that live on land that are separately descended from green algae called stoneworts look very planty, but are not included in the main group of plants. And so that basically is all of the organisms that have all these cellular parts of a plant. They have a cell wall made out of cellulose, which is what makes like celery, celery crunchy. Uh, That's what gives plants their structure is they have cell walls made out of a compound called cellulose.
2: Okay. So is this for all plants or strict plants?
1: This is plants sensu stricto. Okay. So this is the stricter, not strictest, but in the strict sense. Yeah. And so it also, all of them have chloroplasts that use, there are different types of chlorophyll, which is the photosynthetic compound. There's chlorophylls A, B, and C, uh, as well as several types of like carotenoids that are what plants use to photosynthesize when they um, are like when leaves are, turn like yellow or brown or red in in the uh, autumn. Okay. They're using not chlorophyll; they're using a different compound. But so all of these in plantae sensu stricto. Uh, use chlorophyll a and b as their primary photosynthetic compound
2: cool
1: and lastly they store their energy in the form of starch starch yep starch is basically just a big clump of sugars smacked together in a particular way that forms starch um there's, like, slight variances between, like, potato starch and corn starch, but the, it's pretty much all the same compound. Um, so that is plants in the strict sense.
2: Got it. So uh, I might have missed it, but did we talk about this cell type, like eukaryotic versus prokaryotic?
1: No. Um okay. So all of these are going to be eukaryotes, which okay. for, for the uninitiated just means that they have a cell with the parts of a cell that you are thinking of. You know, the nucleus, the mitochondria, the powerhouse, powerhouse of the
2: cell. Of the cell.
1: Uh, <laughs> um, in this case, chloroplasts. Um, but all of the parts on the inside of a cell that you were taught in school, if it has those various parts in separate little compartments, that is a eukaryotic cell. We'll talk about that a little bit more uh, later when we talk about plant evolution. Uh, but uh, yeah that all plants are for sure eukaryotic there are uh, non-eukaryotic cells and organisms that do photosynthesis and we'll talk about that because that's a big part of plant evolution Mm -hmm. Uh, but those are not plants
2: okay
1: and lastly we have plantae sensu lato which is the broadest sense of plants which includes all of those so the normal plants Green algae and things like red algae and brown algae. So they still do photosynthesis, but they use those other non chlorophyll chemicals to do it, uh, as well as a group called glaucophytes, another group of algae, um, but also do photosynthesis, but do it again slightly differently. They don't do those cellular things that we had just talked about. Um, Mm. They do things just sort of their own slightly different way. Basically, this group is everything, with a couple of exceptions that I will note later, that got their primary chloroplasts directly by engulfing cyanobacteria way back in the day. (laughs) So for anybody who's not aware, uh, which probably is a substantial portion of our listeners. There are some parts of our cells that we're pretty sure got there when our like great times of bajillion ancestors, uh, at, back when they were like amoebas, went to eat something else and instead of breaking it down, decided to keep it as a pet more or less. Yes. So that is how our mitochondria got there. That's why mitochondria have their own separate uh, cell membrane, and why mitochondria have their own DNA. Chloroplasts are very similar to that; they have their own separate cell wall or cell membrane inside the cell, and I'm fairly sure they also have their own DNA. I so,
2: think I have heard that too.
1: So that is basically what this group is: things that got their primary chloroplasts. Like I said, there are some other things that do photosynthesis that are not included here, but those do it without having like a proper chloroplast as an organelle in the cell. They just have uh, chlorophyll, the chemical, just sort of in their cytoplasm, the little gooey stuff inside the cell. So that is the broadest sense of uh, what plants is. In general, I think it's pretty much taken as... The middle of those three is probably the the most accurate one that we should be using. So that would be the Plantae Sensu Stricto. Mm -hmm. So that is land plants plus green algae and their descendants, the Stoneworts. So that is one of the technical parts that we're going to be going through. There is one more pretty big one that I had to like watch several YouTube videos about to be like, okay, how does this actually work? That we'll get to in a second here. So that is, like I said, what seems to be the most generally widely accepted definition. But Good question. Yeah.
2: When you did your YouTube search, did you uh, watch a Hank Green video?
1: No, I did not because what I was looking for, <laughs> I think, was a little too a little too specific. I had to go to like some like college course
2: <laughs> side yeah.
1: of YouTube. But I do love everything Hank Green does. So the two big features I would say that separate plants from animals. That if it does these two things, it is for sure a plant. One, photosynthesis. photosynthesis. I guess if it does these two if it if it does these two things together, like I said, there are lots of things that do photosynthesis, not all of them are plants. If it does photosynthesis. It is eligible to be a plant, and so I guess to go back to Mike's question before uh, he unfortunately had to leave us <laughs> for this episode. Um, thanks, technology, but why? Why he asked why? Still here in spirit? Oh, thanks, buddy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah,
0: we're just having some technical issues where his audio is being very piecemeal. Don't 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 you dare say we. I'm having some technical issues. The rest of the podcast is going to continue on as normal because, damn it, we don't take a week off. (laughs) Except for that one week. Um, (laughs) Except for that one week.
1: Yeah, so to answer Mike's question why we can't do photosynthesis, that is because our ancestors did not... When they ate things with chlorophyll, they didn't keep it as a pet. That's why. That's the only reason. Um, Practical reasons is that, um, you know, clothes would be really put a damper on photosynthesis because uh, <laughs> they would need to be on our skin, you know? And so uh,
0: there are lots of- I have a solution to that problem.
1: Okay, that, that's not the only problem. Um, animals in general also move around too much for photosynthesis to be particularly effective. And we also don't have access to a lot of the nutrients that plants need that they get from the soil. So unless we were just constantly eating dirt as well as our other food uh we we just it would not be practical long story short anyway um
2: Uh, i think what you're trying to say is if mike starts just eating like insane amounts of dirt then maybe he will start to photosynthesize
1: sure that's that's exactly (laughs) what i'm saying
2: (laughs) there you go mike
1: uh yeah so Again, if it does photosynthesis, that makes it eligible to be to be a plant. But one thing for sure that plants do that this is what I had to Google a lot and watch the YouTube videos of. Okay. So plants do this very strange thing called alternation of generations. That I know that I learned about at some point in college, but I definitely forgot. Mm. So this is something that is so completely foreign to how animals live their life. So this is basically the life cycle of a plant. Step one, fertilization. That part's the same as in animals, sperm and egg get together, form a, an embryo. That embryo matures. It has the full two sets of chromosomes like animals do, you know, in you, you have a pair for each chromosome. Right. Right. Plants also have that for half of their generations. So when the sperm and egg come together, that is referred to as diploid, you know, die mm-hmm. meaning two. So they have diploid conditions, which means when thinking about mammals, that is the normal condition. Right. So sperm and egg fertilize that organism, then grows up to produce spores. Those spores are haploid, which means instead of having paired chromosomes, they just have one. Those spores then mature into, it it will look different. It will not look the same as the other mature form. For example, the uh, fern, when when you think of a fern, that is, uh, I believe, the diploid condition that produces the spores the um, haploid so the only one chromosome version is this like little tiny just like single leaf nub (laughs) that is sits very close to the ground
2: oh so cute
1: and so but that is a basically fully mature organism and that is what produces the sperm or egg that then get fertilized that then gets mature again so to compare it to animals, it would basically be like if random person produced a sperm or an egg that, without being fertilized, grew up into another different-looking organism that then produced something that reproduced with another of its species to go back to step one.
2: This is... is Again, really fundamentally
1: yeah fundamentally very very different from how animals live their life yep and so that is something that is very fundamental to plants though so um the best way to look at it because i can't even tell you so the the versions are the sporophyte that is the diploid one that produces these spores and then there's the gametophyte which produces the gametes, the sperm or egg. Um, If you look at moss, the actual green part of it is, uh, I believe, the um, sporophyte. And then the little skinny yellow things that sort of pop up out of the moss are the gametophyte, the part that produces the sperm or egg. Hi, this is editing, Gavin. Uh, I had some misinformation in there. Uh, I just said, if you missed it, that the green part of a moss is the sporophyte and that the yellow part that sticks up is the uh, gametophyte that was backwards. The green part that you think of as moss is the gametophyte and the little yellowish part that sticks up is the sporophyte. Just wanted to correct the record on that. Thanks. Those are two different versions of the same plant.
2: And you need both to make a baby, right?
1: So it's d- different steps of making a baby. Okay. And also, well, sort of. Again, it's <laughs> plants are so Sorry. weird. This this is why I don't like plants.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Um, but usually, what you are thinking of as the plant, the part that you typically see, is the part that's only got half of the normal number of chromosomes for an animal. Okay. So the part of the plant that you were typically thinking of, again, if I understand things correctly, which I may not be, um, things like an apple tree, that is where fertilization happens, which means that that is the gametophyte, which means the actual tree itself only has one set of chromosomes instead of the two that you normally would think it should have if it were an animal.
2: And potentially if it had two then it wouldn't be producing the apples.
1: Yes. Again, okay. if I am understanding it correctly. Right, right. I we would I would love to have a botanist on and please correct me. <laughs> um but as I understand it as an animal scientist that is how it seems to work. And it's if, if it sounds weird, it is. Because we're animals. <laughs> yeah. So if you have if you do those two things, you are a plant. Cool. 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 So now we get into an absurdly, insultingly brief overview of major points in plant evolution. So as with every group that we've sorta of talked about, we talk about what they came from, if we have good evidence of it. And for plants, we sort of do. So plants split off of their plant-like cousins. That would be the things like your red algae and your glaucophytes. Those things that I mentioned that are included in the very broadest sense of plants, but most people don't actually consider them plants. Okay. So they split off from them somewhere during the Mesoproterozoic era, which is to say between 1.6 and 1 billion years ago. Long time.
2: Very long time.
1: And so we've talked about a couple of times that land plants did not come around at that time. Land plants are much more recent than 1.6 billion years. So what were plants doing in the meantime? Well, before that, they, like I said, gobbled up something that had chlorophyll and kept it as a pet inside of itself. And that's where we got chloroplasts from. And I had always sort of learned that between or that, that uh, land plants had sort of came up onto land during the Ordovician period, maybe the late Cambrian period, but regardless sometime around 490, 480 or so million years ago. So about a half a billion years since they split off of, their their cousins. However, based on some recent research from you know the past five six years, it actually kind of seems like th- what land plants evolved from was actually already on land.
2: What?
1: Right. So we so we think of how animals got onto land is that there were first animals in the water, then they crawled up on the beach, and lived on land. Very <laughs> oversimplified, but. V- very broad strokes that's how it worked Uh, not the case seemingly with plants so there were not water plants first at least in the sense that you would think of them so there was not like underwater moss first it basically seems like based on the chemical evidence and some, some loose fossil evidence that we have that land plants evolved from like single-celled mats of algae that lived in freshwater streams and things on land so they didn't rise up out of the ocean like animals did they were already there and then just simply grew towards the sun they were like hey i need the sun anyway i might as well get a little closer to it (laughs) and that already sort of seemed that seems like what sort of happened And so from roughly 1.2 billion years ago to around 446 million years ago, plants were just basically those single-celled mats. You know, there were like algae lives in the ocean as well, but they were the the ones that we would think of more like plants lived in freshwater or like very near shore um, ecosystems on land. Still did photosynthesis, still doing algae things then in the Ordovician period and then into the Silurian period plants, and I, I wrote this in my notes here, shoot for the star the, Aww. you know, the, <laughs> the sun um, so first we get things like mosses, like I said, and then things uh, like ferns, those are the first two plant forms to sort of show up because they still need water, um, plants like mosses and ferns Uh, have what are called flagellated sperm. Sperm, like you think of sperm, where it's the the cell and it's got the little tail and it needs to swim. So it needs a fluid to swim in to get to the egg to fertilize. Uh, So that kept things like mosses and ferns uh, pretty still near the water, which is why you don't find things like mosses or ferns in really dry climates because even still today they still need water.
2: Oh, I didn't
1: know that. Yeah. Uh, So those were the first types of plants to sort of show up. And then by the late Devonian period, so this would be somewhere in the vicinity of 380 or so million years ago. Seed plants evolved and because of that were much less bound to the water. A seed is basically the uh, animal equivalent of like an amniote egg. An egg okay. that says, hey, I need water, but I don't want to be in the water. <laughs> so I'm going to pick myself. up the water and cover myself. Yeah. And I'm going to take the water with me. Uh, so <laughs> seed plants, th- th- these first seed plants didn't... L- that You would recognize it as a plant, obviously, but you wouldn't be like, oh, that's clearly a tree. That's clearly this kind of plant. It, they would look very strange still leafy still planty but um would not look all that similar to any plants that we have today particularly and so in then after we get through the late devonian we get into the carboniferous period and the carboniferous carboniferous period is named the carboniferous because of all of the plants that are there because during this time uh, we get the first, like, real forest ecosystems. Essentially, the planet was covered in giant, giant forests and swamps.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, swamps. Uh, <laughs> so, during this time, most of these plants, because the, the global climate was much warmer and much wetter, um, a lot of plants still needed a lot of water. They didn't need it like mosses and ferns do, so they still had seeds and things. But uh, during this time, there was just a lot of really cool plant evolutionary innovation. So the first things that we would recognize as modern groups of plants sort of show up during this time, mostly uh, things like the conifers, the first conifer trees show up uh, around the Carboniferous Period. And then sort of right as they did, we get pretty much the only really significant plant mass extinction which is called the Carboniferous Rainforest Collapse at around 305 million years ago. And after that, plants had a real hard time. Uh, (laughs) So the Carboniferous Rainforest Collapse basically happened because uh, of of a number of factors. One, the Carboniferous is when Pangea came together. And if your landmass is all one... uh, that makes it really hard for water to get to the middle. Because right. it just means that water has, a, you know, evaporated water and, you know, clouds and stuff has a lot farther to go to get to the middle. So the entire middle of Pangaea was a giant desert.
2: And not so any
1: of... Ev- not good for plants. <laughs> um, and just the, the climate in general got cooler and drier. Um, there was uh, a pretty large glaciation event uh around this time as well, so things you know got pretty cold, which rainforests tend to not like um and yeah, plants just had a really hard time through the Permian period and uh through the early triassic period as well, so for um roughly f- like seventy to eighty million years, plants were just not having a great time,
2: but like on the outskirts of Bangeo, were they like oh yeah
1: like yeah there's still um obviously there were you know pockets of forest and things like that that existed in various places around the world but compared to the carboniferous period where more or less the entire global land masses were rainforest Mm -hmm. um yeah in general not having a great time got it um that's not to say that i that plants weren't doing anything during this time though uh, they just sort of kept doing their thing and uh, and didn't really recover a lot of their uh, diversity until the late Triassic or uh, into the Jurassic period. So this would be somewhere in the vicinity of 200 or so million years ago. Um Like I said, around the Carboniferous is when the first conifer trees, things like your pines, your spruces, your firs, uh, show up around this time. And they basically, especially because they are particularly good in dry climates, after the Carboniferous Rainforest Collapse, they went on to dominate basically all of the macro plant niches. Nice. And then throughout the Mesozoic Era, a very special group uh, of these conifers split off and became what we would call today is the flowering plants. When this was, was pretty highly up for debate. Genetics, in my opinion, is wrong. Um, Because it it suggests that flowering plants split off like 365 million years ago, which would be at least 150 million years before this.
2: Hmm.
1: And we find no fossils to support that. So and plant genetics are weird i don't understand them that's not to say that there's nobody who does i'm sure that there are people who are or people who do but uh genetics and fossils don't always line up and i i prefer the fossils uh (laughs) so um so angiosperms which is the name for the group of flowering plants Basically, we see we see some pollen that looks very angiosperm-like in the Triassic. We see some flowering plant-like things in the Jurassic, but the first actual f- full fossils of flowering plants happen in the Cretaceous period, uh, around 125 million years ago. Then, angiosperms basically go on to take over the entire world. If you can think of a plant. It is almost certainly a flowering plant. Hmm. Unless it is a moss, a fern, or some kind of pine tree, it is a flowering plant. All of the crops that we eat are flowering plants. Grasses, um, again, pretty much every tree besides, you know, pines and firs are flowering plants. Uh, Wait, over 90%. Grass? Yeah. You might grass? not think of it. You don't see its flowers, but that doesn't mean that they're not there. Um. Oh. Yeah. So, again, if you are thinking of a plant, it is, you know, nine times out of ten going to be a flowering plant. So, they went on to dominate basically every thing that plants do. They even went back to the water. So, things like seagrass are actual plants.
2: All right. Um, Yeah. I've been wondering about that throughout this podcast. Yeah. Like, where does seagrass fit in in this?
1: (laughs) So, seagrass specifically is a type of flowering plant.
2: Wow. But they originated from land and then moved to water? They sure did. Cool.
1: Whereas things like kelp are not plants. Even in the I don't even think in the like very broad definition, I don't think they're included in plants.
2: That's and crazy. what <laughs> most
1: people would call seaweed is also not considered plants. Right very weird um and so that is again a very broad possibly slightly incorrect uh overview of plants and their evolutionary history this is, again made me very uncomfortable um if you want to hear more about a particular type of plant um i will be more than happy to be uncomfortable more um and yeah so that's pretty much all i've got for this episode, unless you have any last burning questions.
2: Uh, no, I've, I've just, I was waiting on the seagrass one.
1: <laughs> yeah. Seagrass specifically, like I said, cause I know that's also a very big marine ecosystem. Yes. Globally seagrasses and, and, you know, seagrass beds are very important for a lot of different groups of marine organisms. Yes. That's like the main food for things like manatees uh Mm -hmm. they serve as a lot of like nurseries them because it basically at least in most um like caribbean is what i know the best but yeah um the sort of succession goes mangroves right next to the shore then seagrass beds then out to the coral reefs so
2: yeah
1: uh this the seagrass and the mangroves serve as like nurseries for a lot of fish that live out on the reefs um and so because of that they are really really ecologically important for shallow marine ecosystems all across the world um Yep. but yeah, they are weirdly a flowering plant. They do all of their flowering and fertilization stuff underwater. They are more or less the only like really large group of flowering plants to do that
2: underwater I think the, the,
1: yeah, there, I think there are some others that live in freshwater ecosystems that yep. do something similar. But not as large of a group as seagrass. Yeah. Seagrasses are cool.
2: Seagrasses are so cool. I am, uh, I wrote a paper with my um, uh, advisor about um, seagrasses and how they're important and also sponges as well. So, Mm. Mm -hmm. love, love seagrasses.
1: Yeah. So. With that, I think we'll transition to our last segment of, of the this week's episode, Swamp Corner. Sophia, what have you got for us?
2: Yeah, so uh, this week on Swamp Corner, uh, I didn't really have much uh, to think about, but uh, Gavin gave me a nice idea to talk about things I didn't expect uh, about moving from, uh, I guess, a more dry, forested New York climate to a more uh, wetland, swamp area like louisiana
1: which is really funny because i personally wouldn't consider new york to be dry it's dry <laughs> especially living in you know having lived in south dakota and now living in california uh i would not call new york dry but i'm, I'm sure according to or uh, you know it compared to the swamp yeah for sure
2: <laughs> yeah 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 definitely um but uh i guess one of the things about living so close to the coast that I was not prepared for at all are pressure headaches. Uh, If any storms move in, Mm. I feel them in my brain. Interesting. (laughs) Yeah. And so it's crazy because like you start to get a headache and, and I've like, it's happened to me a couple of times and I'm like, why do I have this headache? And I look outside and it's like thunderstorming and like, (laughs) I'm like, oh, I see now. <laughs> um, huh. And uh, the, I don't know if it has to do with like how, like, where you're at, at like sea level compared to sea level, but uh, I feel like it's, it's something I've noticed and that's weird. Um, hmm. Yeah some other things that uh with this very warm humid climate that i have discovered or i guess i was prepared for but not to the full extent um are uh cockroaches blah gross uh they are you cannot escape them they're everywhere it's unfortunate um also interesting this one really came out of the blue termite season which is now yeah
1: i i saw that in the notes like what is termite season
2: so uh this happened last year around this time where i was just like it was late at night and i was sitting in my room and all of a sudden i like start seeing these things on the walls and i'm like what the heck? And it's a bug. And then like another one, and another one comes out, and they're like coming through the holes, and it, like from the outlets. And I'm like, what? What is happening? And they're termites. Um, so I guess like around this time of year is when they have their like mass spawning, um, and they are attracted to light. So uh, hmm. if you have the lights on at night, they will find a way and come inside. <laughs> um, every person that I've talked to, uh, from here is just like, if it's termite season and you see termite, just turn your lights off and go to bed <laughs> <laughs> and just hope for the best.
1: <laughs> so that's really funny. Cause, um, you know, when Mike was out here, um, you know, a couple weeks ago, I mentioned fire season <laughs> in California uh-huh. and he's like, that's crazy how there's just a fire season. And I'm like, yeah, I haven't really been out here for like the actual full extent of fire season you know around like you know late june july but uh yeah it's it's weird how it's like oh you think oh new york has such you know great seasons and it's yeah. like but does it have a fire season
2: or a termite season yeah it sure doesn't yeah <laughs> um some other cool things on on the bright side uh that I was not expecting to have regular occurrences with our dolphins uh, at where I used to work um, down in Cocodrie, Louisiana uh, is like right on the water of like the Bayou channels and mm-hmm. dolphins would just come all the time and eat. Uh, I guess uh, the reason why I wasn't expecting is because the water here is so like muddy And because, yeah, Mississippi River. Um, Right. And I guess I just wasn't, like, expecting. I was like, oh, it's like, it's a swamp. Like, dolphins don't come here. But uh, that was really cool to see. Um, The bird life down here, too, is, like, way cooler than I uh, (laughs) would have thought. Where I, I have now discovered my favorite bird, which is the roseate spoonbill.
1: Oh, I love Rosie Spoonbills.
2: They're so beautiful. Uh, if anyone listening uh, gets a chance, you should definitely look them up because they are very, very cool. Um, they're kind of a rare sighting to see, but uh, mm-hmm. they'll like pass through sometimes and um, they're, they're pretty cool. Pretty cool. Um, so, yeah, uh, I think that's, I would like to end it on, on good birds. Nice. Yeah.
1: Um. Yeah. So if you, if you too want to experience some up close too frequent dolphins and some cool spoon faced birds, um, come on down to the swamp. Yes. Um, you might have to suffer some headaches and some termites <laughs> for part of the year, but dolphins make it worth it. Um and in lieu of mike not being here i guess right. it's up to me to do the outro so thank you all so much for listening to episode 71 of i wish you were dead a podcast about things that used to be alive my name is gavin that was mike and this that is fia and we will see you all next week this episode of i wish you were dead was written by gavin davidson and hosted by gavin davidson mike bryson and Finella campanino it was sound edited and edited for youtube by gavin davidson Special thanks to former guests of the pod and to listeners like you.